evidence and answers. We've all felt the pain from the recent economic turmoil in the world and even here in the United States. In uncertain times like these, we need sound financial principles that will guide our decisions. Many will be surprised how much the Bible teaches on financial stewardship and economics. Join Pat now as he presents his message titled, Deliver Us From Our Debts, Sound Financial Principles in Uncertain Times. Here's Pat now. Well, good morning. We're talking about a very sensitive topic today. We're talking about money. That's right. Your money. My money. And with the uncertain times we're experiencing right now, one cannot help but think a lot about money. You know, every day in the news this past week, the topic that has made the front pages was money. The national debt, a chaotic stock market, rising unemployment, the European economies faltering on default. We realize we're going through some very difficult economic times. And speaking of difficult times, have you heard this recent story? There's a little old Christian lady living next door to an atheist. Every morning, the lady comes out onto her front porch and shouts, Praise the Lord! The atheist yells back, There's no God! She does this every morning with the same result. Well, as time goes on, the lady runs into some serious financial difficulties and has trouble buying food. She goes out onto the front porch and prays out loud, asking God for help with groceries. Then she closes her prayer, shouting, Praise the Lord! The atheist, wanting to play a trick on her, goes out and buys a bag of groceries and puts it on her porch to see how she will respond. Well, the next morning, she goes out onto the porch and behold, there's a bag of groceries that she had asked for. And of course, she shouts, Praise the Lord! Well, the atheist who is watching jumps out from behind the bushes and says, Ha! I bought you those groceries. You see, there is no God. The lady looks at him and smiles and looks to the heavens and says, Praise the Lord. Not only did you provide for me, Lord, you made Satan pay for the groceries. Ha! That'll teach him to pick on elderly old ladies. What does the Bible have to say on the issue of money and economics? The Bible has a lot to say about finances and economics. The Bible is not only a book of deep theology and philosophy. It is a tremendously practical book as well. The Bible has a lot to say about finances and economics. In fact, you may be surprised to find out that Jesus teaches more about money than he does about heaven and hell. Earlier this month, we watched with anticipation as Congress continued to debate on the national budget. With a national debt over $14 trillion, would we choose to allow our debt to increase or would Congress present a budget demonstrating fiscal responsibility and cut the national debt. Well, as the August 2nd deadline approached, we were all wondering whether Congress would reach an agreement on its debt ceiling or would the nation go into default. Just a few days after signing the bill to increase our debt ceiling, the U.S. lost its precious Standard & Poor's AAA rating for the first time in its history. In recent weeks, we have seen the stock market crash nearly 2,000 points since July, losing nearly another 1,000 points this past week. Unemployment has risen to over 9%. People's savings have dwindled, many losing over 30% in their retirement portfolio. 
And now economists are stating that the U.S. is on the brink of a recession. Well, what should be of concern to us is that the state of the economy is one way we can measure the health of our nation. A nation in deep debt and one that lacks economic discipline, history has shown us, is doomed to failure. Jim Nelson Black, in his book, When Nations Die, writes that one of the clear marks of a nation in decline is its soaring debt and out-of-control spending. While our nation can reverse its situation if it applies God's principles of financial stewardship, and what applies to our nation also applies to us as individuals. So today I want to give you four key principles of biblical stewardship that if applied on a national and individual level, we could turn around our financial crisis. These four principles were introduced to me by Ron Blue, who wrote a wonderful book on this topic called Master Your Money. You want to find a great book that can teach you biblical financial stewardship. Master Your Money is an excellent one here. I highly recommend it. Well, there are many biblical principles on financial stewardship and I just wanted to summarize it into four easy principles that hopefully you can remember. And it's one that I learned from Ron Blue and one that I followed and was so glad to learn at such a young age. Well, here are the four principles of biblical financial stewardship that everyone should know. Number one, principle one, God owns it all. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can come in and steal. Instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And later he goes on to say, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Well, Jesus is not saying that money is evil or that we should not be rich. There are many wealthy Christians who give generously to support ministries all over the world. So being rich is not a sin. In fact, my radio show and ministry is supported by such an individual. And there are other wealthy Christian businessmen, lawyers, and doctors who give generously to Christian ministries and colleges all over the world. Well, what's Jesus warning us about? Well, Jesus is warning against selfishness and misplaced values. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the Greek word here for money is mammon. God and money here are portrayed as slave owners. And back in Jesus' day, a man may have two employees, but a slave could only have one master, not two. So Jesus is teaching here, either God is served with a single-hearted devotion or he is not served at all. Divided commitment is not part of the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a story of a very stingy, wealthy man who tried to disprove the saying, you can't take it with you. Or you know the old saying, you don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Well, this stingy old man was diagnosed with a terminal illness and he finally believed he had figured out how to take at least some of his fortune with him when he died. 
So he instructed his wife to go to the bank and withdraw enough money to fill two pillowcases. He then told her to take the bags of money to the attic and leave them directly above his bed. When he passed away, and he planned to pass away lying on his bed, he planned to reach out and grab the bags of money on his way to heaven. Well, the day arrived when the old man knew that his time had come and his final moments had arrived. And so he lay on his bed directly below the bags of money which were in the attic right above him. And the moment came where he breathed his last and he passed away and he died as he requested on his bed with his money in the attic right above him. Several weeks after the funeral, his wife was up in the attic cleaning and came upon the two forgotten pillowcases stuffed with cash. Seeing the cash, she exclaimed, Oh, that fool! I knew I should have put the money in the basement! Ha! That'll teach him, won't it? Remember when Job's children were tragically killed? He responded, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, our money, our children, our homes, our possessions, our talents, all that we have belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to God. God owns it all. That's principle number one. And one way to remember this is to tithe regularly to God's work. Tithing each Sunday morning. That's why it's such an important part of the worship service. Tithing regularly reminds us God owns it all. And when you realize God owns it all, it's easier to be generous with what you have. Generosity ought to be the mark of every believer in Jesus Christ because we each understand God owns it all. The second principle is to spend less than you earn and do this over a long period of time. Proverbs 13:11 states this, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase. The proverb teaches accumulating wealth through virtue, not through get-rich-quick schemes. The word hastily in the Hebrew is mehebel, which basically means puff of air or vapor. So the metaphor of getting money from a vapor is what we call today easy money and includes immoral ways to get money based on greed. Instead of these, quote, windy methods, the Bible prescribes methods of patience, diligence, prudence, generosity, and faith, virtues that have stood the test of time. Instead, the text says, whoever gathers little by little, in other words, through hard work, patience, honesty, and practicing generosity, whoever gathers little by little, his wealth will remain. Well, it's apparent that our nation's leaders are not putting this into practice. On August 4th, foxnews.com reported that the U.S. debt has reached 100% of the country's GDP, the gross domestic product. The public debt has climbed to $14.58 trillion, putting it just over the $14.53 trillion of the country's economy in 2010. This kind of spending is sure, then, to ruin this country. On an individual level, this is true as well. 
fact, a friend of mine, the former chaplain of the Dallas Cowboys, John Weber, told me a startling fact. He said that 80% of NFL players, five years after retirement, find themselves broke, divorced, and have spent time in jail. You know, the average American owes over $15,000 on credit card debt. We are a country, not only on a national level, but on an individual level, who do not understand this principle. So the lesson we learn is this. Earn money slowly, patiently, through hard work and wise living. Beware of get-rich-quick schemes that appeal to our greed. There are a lot of seminars out there. I know of several. I've attended several that are titled, you know, Get Rich, Get Be Young, Get Rich, Retire Early. You know, these get-rich-quick kind of seminars. Well, when you go to these seminars, you realize there's a story behind how these guys got very wealthy. You know, uh, they took a lot of risk and many of them failed in their first several attempts and were in debt thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're very fortunate to have gotten out of their debt and be in the situation they are now. But most of us can't afford that kind of debt and that kind of risk. That's why the Bible says earn money slowly, patiently through hard work and wise living. That's also why gambling can be so addictive and destructive it appeals to our greed so stay away from various forms of gambling i'm very concerned about friends who like going to las vegas to gamble and they say recreationally also avoid playing the stock market that's a form of gambling rather learn how to invest in the stock market rather than playing the stock market there's a difference here one is gambling one is a form of wise investing. So the second principle is to spend less than you earn and do it for a long period of time. Principle number three, get rid of debt. Proverbs 22 verse seven states, the borrower is servant to the lender. A borrower here is a slave of one who has lost his freedom and is responsible to the master. And here, the borrower has become a slave to his lender. You know, it's amazing how much power we give to this little piece of plastic we call the credit card. You know, Fox News reports that the average American credit card debt is over $15,000. Imagine that, a debt of over $15,000 accumulating anywhere from 15 to 20% interest. You know, as a nation, we are in debt to several nations hostile to the United States. Therefore, we cannot take strategic action because they may call upon our debt, and then we'd be in big trouble. Out-of-control spending by the U.S. government has led to a national debt of over $14 trillion. Well, in our state, in Friday's Star Advertiser, it was reported that our state has a debt that has ballooned over $7 billion. And what is the proposed solution from our state legislatures? Well, it's to increase taxes, increase the retirement age, and cut benefits for retirees. You see, we'd be in a much stronger economic state. We could even reduce taxes if we practice fiscal responsibility 
and we were able to eliminate our debt. You know, in June, I received a phone call from my radio show sponsor who informed me that he would have to cut back on the amount he can give to our radio show. Well, I was so disappointed for nearly eight years we had been airing on many stations throughout the United States and then now I would have to cut back. Well, I eventually had to let go of many stations and uh, my great radio team, guys who edit and produce my show, was a really heartbreaking thing. Well, after announcing my cutbacks, I received a lot of emails from radio stations and station managers saying, Pat, your show is great and we're so sorry to see you leave after all these years. And I was saddened and Well, I began trying to figure out ways that I could keep the stations and started coming up with ways to fundraise for my radio show. People were giving me all kinds of ideas to go have a food fair, have a golf tournament, or a banquet. You know, I suggested, how about a surf thon You know, find a bunch of people who will sponsor me a dollar for every wave I catch one afternoon. Well, that didn't fly over very well. Well, eventually an individual came up to me and told me, well, the answer is quite simple. He says, do what us businessmen do. We take out a loan and you can repay it when you find other sponsors. You know, and he explained to me the whole process. And in fact, I was in his office and he was explaining it to me and it sounded very logical, very reasonable, and and I was tempted to do it. I mean, he's a great businessman. That's why he's probably such a success as a businessman. And I was tempted. It it seemed what he was saying made sense. Well, I told him, well, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. And after a week or so of worry and trying desperately to hang on to the stations that I had, I finally realized, you know what? This all belongs to the Lord, and we're going to have to do it God's way. And all I have, the radio show, the finances that go along with it, the staff, they all belong to him. This show is belongs to the Lord. And if he wants us to continue, he'll show us the way. And it won't be through getting into more debt. That would not be the way. And if he did not provide, then I would need to just let it go because God owns it all. And to honor him would mean to do it his way. And that meant not going into debt to continue this ministry. And so when I made that decision, there was a tremendous peace that came upon my heart. And you and I will have a lot easier time letting things go, being more generous and worrying less when we realize that God owns it all and we need to do it God's way. And God wants us to avoid debt at all possible costs. Well, the life lesson we learned then is that we must pay off debt and beware of accumulating any more. And also then with the elections coming up, we must vote for national leaders who are committed to physical responsibility and spending discipline. And as individuals, we've got to practice that kind of discipline as well. You know, if God's people got rid of their credit card debt and car loans and and spent wisely, we'd have a lot more money to save for our retirement, to spend on our family, and to give to God's work. You know, God's people cripple themselves by putting themselves into all kinds of debt that had we made better decisions, 
we could have avoided. Instead of buying that brand new $50,000 car, perhaps we could have got a great used car at $10,000 and be out of debt. Or perhaps uh, just good, a new car at maybe $20,000 or $15,000 and put ourselves out of debt to where we can save for our retirement, save for our families, and give to the Lord's work. So principle number three, get out of debt. The fourth principle, build a reserve. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says this, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Now the word prepares there essentially means to put into proper order and readiness, to make ready, to fix so as to be ready. Now many times it is used of preparing implements and food and here more explicitly of preparing its nourishment for the bad times. Says so she prepares her food in the summer. It refers to harvest time, the only time an ant can gather its food before the cold season. And we see that practiced by wise people throughout the Old Testament. One of the best ones there was in Genesis, Joseph. When he learned of a famine that would be coming and would plague Egypt for several years, what did he do? Well, during the good years of harvest, every seventh bag of wheat or barley would be stored in reserve so that when the famine did indeed come, Egypt was the only country that had grain and people from all over the world were coming to Egypt to buy its grain and Joseph made that country very wealthy and prosperous at that time. Individually, this applies in a very practical way. You see, it's not the daily bills that get you. It's the emergencies. Now, usually we plan for our daily bills, but suddenly our transmission suddenly falls out on the car. We don't have the money, and so what do we do? Well, we put it on a credit card. But then, a couple days later, Johnny needs a root canal. Well, there's another $1,000 on the credit card. Then, wouldn't you know it, the water heater leaks, and we've got some plumbing issues. There's another 15 hundred on the credit card bill and suddenly we've got a $3,000 balance on our credit card with a 15% interest rate. And then we just make the minimal payments and the debt continues to accumulate. Why? Well, because we do not have a reserve. It's wise to build a six-month reserve. That way when emergencies happen, you can take out a loan from yourself, from your reserve with the intent to replenish that reserve. A lot of people don't realize you need to have a reserve because it's not the daily bills that get you, it's the emergencies. You know, my friend Fred had a great job and his wife, uh, therefore, they went looking for a house out here. And at first they were looking at houses about the $400,000 price range, something that they could afford here in the islands. Well, their realtor talked them into looking at houses at uh, the $600,000 to $700,000 level because they could push it, but that's what they could afford, the maximum they could afford. Well, that was a lot higher than they had agreed upon, 
But she began showing them these houses in this six, seven hundred thousand dollar range, and and they really began to like the houses that they were seeing. And therefore, you know, it's important you have a good realtor, all right, and go in there with sound financial principles, knowing what you can afford so that even if your realtor tries to talk you to a higher price, you can take your stand and know what you can afford. Well, they eventually ended up buying a really nice house at about the $670,000 price range. And that put a squeeze on their finances, but, but they were doing all right. You know, day to day, they were just making it. Well, on top of that, they were also making payments on their SUV and the wife's Audi. And they were living fine, just making it each month. However, a year later, the word came. Due to the economic situation, of course, Fred would be moved from a full-time position to a a 30-hour-a-week position, thus taking a significant pay cut. Well... Now they were in significant financial trouble here. And when Fred and I met for coffee, he told me the bad news. And I asked him, well, Fred, how much you got in reserve? Uh, he looked at me and he realized he, he did not know what I was talking about. And finally he admitted that he looked at his credit card as his reserve. And he had put a lot of debt on his credit card and he'd be paying about 17% interest on that credit card. Well, I sadly looked at him and said, Fred, we got some tough decisions to make here. Well, I hope you enjoyed learning these valuable principles on financial stewardship. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. And you can listen to this message and hundreds of other messages by Pat and his guests. While you're there, check out Pat's new book, Unless I See, Is There Enough Evidence to Believe? In this book, Pat presents the compelling evidence for the Christian faith. This is a great book for every Christian who wants to be an effective witness for Christ in our culture today. Pat's ministry with Probe International relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. That's it for today, but join us again next time here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.